All right, welcome back, January eighth. Ryan, we're here. We're back. It is a it is a big sports week. It is playoff football. NHL starting soon. Basketball's in full swing. Hey Ryan, today's the cutoff day, by the way. So are, are you gonna say it for happy? I'm ready, I'm ready for 2022. Okay. Okay. <laughs> This um, is this year's not off to a hot start. We won't get no, into that, but yeah. we're uh, we'll stay away from that side of it. But 2022, yeah. baby, let's, let's have a year. So, Ryan, we have two new segments that we could not be more than thrilled to debut today and tell everyone what the two new segments are going to be. And we're going to do one on the front half and one on the back half. And that's going to be every Friday going forward, unless something changes. Unless something changes, you know, we have new segments that we'd like to debut. So, on the front half, we're going to be doing what we call the hot take six. So basically how this is going to work is, is we'll be debuting our, this segment, we're doing hot takes from the levels of almost wing flavors, if you will. So mild takes, medium takes, and then hot takes. And then we're going to discuss those and kind of see about the validity of those. And then on the back half, we're going to be doing Monday morning headlines. So what are we going to be reading Monday morning? How's everything going to shake out over the weekend? Uh, and that'll be kind of coupled I think this weekend by a big weekend of uh, NFL football and, and potentially college football implications. Yeah. And hot take six entertainment purposes only. Um, some of these takes, I don't know if I even believe them. I think uh, the same with Ryan. <laughs> oh, I, I have, I have three that I actually believe could be true today. Okay. Believe it or not. I, I have three that I might believe are true. So we'll do that uh, after what I couldn't believe I forgot, but Ryan had to uh, remember me. I, it's been like a stone age um, since uh, the playoffs. It feels like the college football national championship is Monday. Just the, a casual, just casual event. <laughs> the mega, mega, mega cast. And it's crazy that I forgot that considering how big of a college football fan I am. But um, we got Alabama. We got Ohio State. We got Justin Fields. The obvious Heisman winner. It's almost like the Heisman doesn't even matter at this point, right? To watch the ceremony because we all, we typically know who's going to win it, you know, regardless. Um, so uh, he won that on Tuesday night, Devontae Smith. Then you have Mac Jones, who is, let's be honest, playing lights out. He waited his turn, right? From Jalen, from, you know, Tua, and here he is. And you have Justin Fields in Ohio State who really, let's be honest, I don't think either me or you saw that coming. Maybe some people did, but I didn't see the beatdown that they were giving Clemson. By the way, in the least shocking news ever, I uh, couldn't even believe SportsCenter put it on their Instagram or ESPN, to tell you the truth. Trevor Lawrence declares for the 2021 NFL Draft. Breaking news. Breaking news. Couldn't even believe it. I fell out of my chair. Um, so, I mean, it, it's almost like, Clemson the last two years, right, in the playoff, though, that they've, they've let down, kind of. I know that's weird to say, but, you know, they, they got, um, you know, they, they won the Ohio State game by controversy, right? And then they got destroyed, to tell you the truth, by Joe Burrow and LSU, who has gone down as one of the best college football teams in history. And I'm starting to, by the way, here's a little hot take mini for you. Ooh, um, we're starting I mean, early. We, we are. I'm starting to think Ed Orgeron, as good of a coach as he is, he has the Gene Chizik effect of he was at the right place at the right time on a legendary team. Because if you if you remember, Gene Chizik 
won a national title at Auburn with Cam, he was out the door two years later. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that's going to happen to Ed. I'm just saying I don't think he's national championship worthy every year. You know, maybe even gets him to a conference championship, but that's for a different time. I'm very excited for it. The mega cast is always weird, though, because I find myself actually a lot of the times watching different broadcasts of the mega cast as much as I love Herbie and Fowler and they're right behind Buck and uh, Aikman. If, I, if I'm being honest, I think is the best announcing team in the game, but I always watch uh, two years ago, actually Bill Walton, Rachel Nichols, and like a bunch of people were doing um, like, just weren't even talking about the game. They had it on in the background and I was watching that one most of the time, but you know, listening to Bill Walton talk about the grateful dead, like, so I like the mega cast. It's, it's weird. The coach's room though is kind of boring to tell you the truth because it's just coaches speak and, you know, they're constantly going back to the film right after a play happens. And if we're going to do that kind of mega cast, and I know they do it every year with different coaches, let's try to figure out a different way to do it, to make it more entertaining. Very exciting. All very exciting though. Um, so many ways to watch. If, if you don't have um, ESPN, that doesn't even matter because you can find it on the ESPN app without, you know, uh, cable or satellite or YouTube TV, whatever you use. Um, it's just all, all going on on Monday. <sighs> Give me Alabama 42, Ohio state 40. Ooh, you're going high scoring, which I guess isn't overly shocking based on the way some of the Alabama games have went this year, though. So you're you're going to play it high. I like that. I like that prediction. Um, so I'm I'm actually going to bring back our Tuesday segment here a little uh, by ourselves. I'm selling the MegaCast. I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the MegaCast. I feel like I only need one uh, because I'm I, I just enjoy watching the game. Um, as much as Bill Walton sounds fun and, and his takes are always legendary, no matter what he's talking about, uh, he always seems to have a, a viral clip at least once a year. Um, I, I just don't feel I need it. I'd rather watch the game. That, that That's that's just kind of where I sit on it. And I know people like yourself enjoy it. But um, to, to go back just for a minute about the Ohio State Clemson game, I don't think anything was surprising in the uh, Alabama game and, and how they got there. But the, the thing that's going to serve Ohio State the best in this game is their physicality and their, and their front seven. Um, they, they really showed how physical they can be playing Clemson and playing that inner, uh, that, that interior line. And that's, you know, I've said it a million times, but that's where games are won. When you have good interior line and good offensive linemen, good defensive linemen, that's where the game's going to be won. I think Alabama's are slightly better, though. So I think Alabama will win this game. Uh, I do like your high-scoring prediction, though. I'm going to put it at a little bit more of a of a um, spread, if you will. So I'm going to say Alabama. Uh, I'll give Alabama 45, and I'm going to give Ohio State 31. So I think it's still going to be a two two score game, but uh, Ohio State proved that they can definitely put points on the board. Um, you have to lower your head into Justin Fields' ribs which is apparently controversial when you lead with your head. I, I didn't realize so many people <laughs> hated that rule. Yeah, I, I'm on the opposite side of that. Like, I, I – they shouldn't have called it targeting, I, I don't think. Um, See, I, I'm, I'm going to sit on the opposite side from you there because I, I think it. I think it's definition of the rule. Yeah. Our, our, 
our good friend Dean Blandino had an interesting tweet about it, and 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 I think it's very true. And and I guess maybe this hits home a little bit more for me as a Steeler fan, but saying this is the hit that they're trying to take out of the game because this is the this is essentially the hit that ended Ryan Shazier's career is when, when you lower your head like that. And, and my theory is, is if, if you have your head up and face up, you won't lead, you won't lead with your head because you're, you're driving through the way that you're supposed to tackle. But if you have your head down even a little bit and trying to thrust in, that's what they're trying to take away. So if you keep your chin up, um, you know, I, I might be getting a little technical here and everybody can't see my motions as I move my hands all around the screen. But I, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to see anybody face that same fate that Ryan Shazier did. It's, it's unfortunate. And, and I hope it never comes to that again. Yeah. I, um, I'm very excited. Can't believe I forgot about it. Um, you know, you know, it's because um, the Knicks, it's because the Knicks are so good, Ryan. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll talk about them. Let, let, just, <laughs> just, uh, that's a tease for the people. We'll, we'll talk about them. Um, we, we, we always got to get the Knicks talk in there. Um, yeah, so very exciting, and uh, I, I can't wait. Um, I, I'm very curious to see uh, what Ohio State looks like against Alabama because obviously the teams are completely different, but the last time these two teams met was in a playoff game in the Sugar Bowl, and um, Ohio State had a high-powered offense then, and so did Alabama, and you know Ohio State ended up winning, winning that game. Now, obviously, these are two completely opposite teams. I'm just trying to give, you know, reference here. So with that being said, welcome to the Hot Take 6. If I had a siren, I would play it right now. But the Hot Take 6, just like Ryan said, we're going to go from spicy, if you will, wing sauce, to mild, to hot. And my (laughs) Hot Take 6 is... I don't really think I believe any of – well, I definitely don't believe the last one. Um, the, the second one's a maybe, and, and I'll talk about it here in a moment. But as always, as tradition with any segment, we're going to trade off every single week. So I'll go first this week, Ryan. My spicy hot take is going to be Washington wins against Tampa. Ooh. And here is why. Washington has one of the best defenses in the NFL, right? Clearly, Chase Young has changed something as a rookie in that team, which is, let's be honest, very hard to do as a rookie. That's something that takes two or three years in the league, but his fire and passion clearly ignites them. I feel like what has happened with Alex Smith and the maybes with him, and it looks like they're going to go with Heineke on Saturday – I, I feel like they give Tampa Bay a problem because I feel like Tampa Bay is going to end up sleeping on them. And this isn't really a preview of the game because we're going to do that more in depth on the back half. I just think Washington has enough to get the win. And I think they can do it like a very low scoring game, like a, like a 17 to type 10 game because as great as Tampa Bay looked last week, Atlanta's defense is not Washington's. In Washington, as the season has gone on the last couple of weeks, their their secondary in that back half has actually gotten really stronger, and uh, Cam- Cameron Curl is one of the underrated corners, um, you know, th- this year at least in that division for whatever that's worth, you know, in, in some of the NFC. But that's my spicy take. 
Yeah, I, I like that. Did you know that Tom Brady has never entered the playoffs as a wild card? Even during uh, New England? Even during New England. Oh, because they had home games at New England, so they were like a three or four seed. I did not know that, no. That is um, – it's quite a – that that's one of those stats that may never be replicated. Is, is that your first how many ever what 18 years in the league or 18 playoff appearances you never came in as a wild card that's a that's a what i like to call a stupid statistic uh i like that and and i think i think that would lead to a very funny monday morning headline uh on the back half of this is heineke over brady that that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a very interesting one for the washington post to consider but interesting i, I definitely think that could happen again we have more of a preview of that on the back half but uh, my mild take, if you will, the lighter side of it, um, also relates to the NFL and, and also relates to quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not even sure if this is a, a a hot take in some senses. I think this is just going to happen based on the way it seems to shake out. I think there's going to be three quarterbacks taken in the NFL's draft in the top 10. Uh, we're, we're looking at Trevor Lawrence as potentially the number one. Uh, there's there seems to be a little bit more of a disconnect with some of the next guys and where they would rank them. But I think in a quarterback driven league, I think you're going to see teams either maybe not reaching is the word, but I think you're going to see teams really kind of going after quarterbacks. You're going to see a team maybe in the top five take Justin Fields. And I think you're also going to see a team maybe and I will use this word correctly now reach for Mac Wilson or from BYU in, in the first round or in the first top 10 picks exactly. too. Zach Wilson, I apologize. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of Mac Jones. Uh, Zach Wilson in the in the top in the top ten, but I also think there will be five quarterbacks taken in the first round with with Mac Jones, the correct pronunciation with the name, uh, Mac Jones and Trey Lance in the first round as well. So we could see as many as five quarterbacks to new teams in the in the first round and three in the top ten. Ooh, I like that. Um, and that uh, that wouldn't be far fetched. I. Look, it's it is the no-brainer of all time, right? Trevor Lawrence is just already in Jacksonville, and they they might as well just go ahead and ship him down there to start working out with the team. Um, but part of me feels like, are we putting too much stock in him right away? Because with Andrew Luck, it felt pretty obvious and pretty easy right away from the moment he stepped on the field. Hey, this guy is good and no one expected the Colts to <laughs> make it to the AFC championship game, but partly was because of luck. It's a shame he didn't have an offensive line because he'd still be in the league, but you know, and he's not even going to be a hall of famer as great as he was in those couple seasons. But part of me feels like Trevor Lawrence is going to go to Jacksonville and just something's not going to work there. And I don't know if it's going to be, it seems like they're going to go with urban right it, at this stage still there and there hasn't been any indication that they're not but I just don't trust something about that I feel like if he was in a different team or a situation maybe and here's one thing I can see happening I can see Miami trying to trade out of the third pick I can I can see Miami trying to trade out of the third pick like maybe with two as a deal, like I'm starting to like wonder, do they even trust Tua? You know what I mean? Like, is it like a Josh Rosen type? Like that's really the only comparison that comes to mind. Like 
I, I feel bad for Josh Rosen because I don't think he got enough chances. You know, maybe maybe you disagree with me on that, but like I feel like that's what is happening with Tua, and I feel like if anything, they're going to trade out of the third pick, and then Jacksonville is going to get Trevor Lawrence, and whoever moves up to that third pick, someone's going to draft Justin Fields. The, the uh, alternative theory that I've heard is that they take Justin Fields first because they have familiarity in the Ohio State realm, which I think would be a little absurd and, and could yeah. be crazy, but who knows? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. The draft's very interesting for that one through three order. Um, even the top 10, because if you look, the Bengals are sitting there in the top five, they need an offensive line. I heard some writer from, uh, or saw, excuse me, some writer from Cincinnati saying, you know, we got to trade burrow and get someone else. That doesn't make sense. We have to trade Burrow, the guy that you invested your number one pick in. Try getting him an, an, an offensive line again. Well, there's, pro- there's probably a reason he's a Cincinnati, you know, newspaper writer still. You know what I'm saying? Not um, working for the New York Times. No, right. <laughs> um, so, mild. Here we go. All right. I'm perking up. It's Nick's time. Oh. Hello, hello. I am back. I am back. Look, I love this team. I've talked about it, and I feel like you know me well enough to know how much I love Knicks basketball. I truly, truly, for the first time since probably 2012, and I told you that off air as well, you can back me up on that. I feel like this is a team for the first time since 2012 where I look at them and I'm like, ooh, I like what they're doing here. I like what they're doing there. I still don't buy Julius Randle as my best player because come – if we somehow play well into March and May, April, you know, whatever, that's not a guy I want taking the last shot. And it feels like a collection of just mediocre to average players. You know what I mean? There's not like a standout guy, but my mild take Nick's in the playoffs as a seven or six seed, maybe even an eight, I think they're going to get back into it. I don't know if I believe it yet. Um, we won three in a row. We, we came back from Indiana. We came down from 10 late in third. Uh, we had a key moment late, uh, late in that third quarter where Julius Randle was driving to the basket and had uh, a chance for a three-point play, and that's really what took the momentum into the fourth quarter. Then the Atlanta game, look, we were up 24-14 at the end of the first. Then we end up losing the lead, and then we're down by 15, and then we come back and win. So that's the kind of games that you need. And then last night, Austin Rivers with five three-pointers in a row. Bang! I love this team. I love the Knicks. Um, it, it's it's a shame, though, that they're going to break my heart one way or another like they always do, whether it's uh, franchise decisions or not making the playoffs, whatever. I um, That's my mild take because I – I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a team that can make it into playoffs with the way the East is like the Nets aren't playing well, but I feel like they're obviously going to be in the playoffs. I just, I don't know where I see them falling and, and they need, they need a, a big time player, but Julius Randle has been averaging two, uh, three double doubles, uh, three straight games on this three game winning streak. First time, by the way, in eight years, they've been on a three game winning streak. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think, 
and I've said this before with the NBA, but I think the East kind of helps a, a, those lower teams, those seven and eight teams make it. But, you know, I, I feed off your hope with that too, with the Knicks. I, you know, I, I trust your opinion on that more than my own, but I, I think that the Knicks are, are moving in the right direction. And, and look, you know, they're, they, they have to just continue to build. It, it's just like any team. You, you can't trade away all of your top players and hope that it's just going to work out with the guys that you acquire from them or the draft capital that you acquire from them. You have to build around that. I, I agree with you. I don't think Julius Randle is – he's not a superstar in that he's sense. You know, best player. Right. But, but when you look around the league and see the, the superstar guys, I mean, the, a lot of teams have the guy. And I'm not sure the Knicks have that yet, but maybe that even works in their favor a little bit because it's more of a team chemistry and you have guys that can shoot and, and can rebound and it all just kind of works itself out. So I don't know if, I don't know if they're contenders by any means, but I think you might be onto something there with the seven and eight, give you a little bit of playoff hope and a little bit of playoff relief, but you know, if they run into a, a big team in the first round, you can't be upset if they get eliminated. No, if we make the playoffs, that's good enough for me. I, I will tell you this, though. Tom Thibodeau is getting the most out of them right now this early in the season. And you know who – And I can't believe I'm even saying this. You know who's playing well outside of Julius Randle? R.J. Barrett. I don't even know what happened. I didn't even know that guy was on the team last year at times when I was watching him play because it was like he, he came from Duke as one of the best players that – no, he didn't. You know what I mean? And, like, this – like last night, he had a key play in the fourth quarter where he was driving to the basket and he realized there's three of them, one of me, he dished it to Austin Rivers and that's when Austin Rivers hit the first three. So, I don't know. I, they're, ooh, yeah, we, we need a lot, but uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's looking good and bad all at the same time early for me. Well, and I think Tibbs has a lot to do with that too because his time in Chicago really – there, there were some great players there and he put together some great teams, but he really had some, some years that maybe they shouldn't have been as good and, and still found their way into the playoffs. So might be building something in New York with you there. So stay tuned for your, for your Knicks of the future there, Ryan, I, I hope it works out for you. So I'm, I'm actually, believe it or not, my, my mild take or medium take rather uh, stays in New York. And we're going to, we're going to go a little baseball here. So Francisco Lindor traded from the Indians along with Carlos Carrasco to the Mets today. So Lindor and Carrasco to the Mets. Um, my, my medium take is that the Mets might be winning the pennant in the NL this year, Ooh. which is a, which is a bit of a far cry considering a team that, you know, has missed the playoffs, but let's, let's look at this from just an open perspective here. So the, the one thing we know about the Mets already is that they have Maybe one of, if, if not the best, I mean, you could argue about it, the, the best pitching staffs in baseball. When you have a guy as dominant as Jacob deGrom at the start of your top, at the start of your rotation, then you trickle down to guys like Marcus Stroman. You also have guys like Noah Syndergaard, who's, who's you know, had his injuries, but still a great player. Uh, Steven Matz, among others. And now adding in a pitcher like Carlos Carrasco into the, but, but you're also adding a great, player in Francisco Lindor along with other talent that's already there the pieces are starting to build in New York and and I use this as my medium take to say they do it this year I think maybe a more realistic timeline for them is the next two to three years if they can retain some of these guys um, but but I think the Mets might be a team to watch out for in the uh, in the NL pennant race in 2021 and beyond yeah that was that was like um 
out of nowhere today, right? Like I, I didn't even see that. Like, and I followed Jeff Passan. Like, I didn't see him mention anything like the last couple of days, like leading up to that. And then like you want to talk about like woge bombs, talk about a passive bomb, just like Francisco traded. I and what was Cleveland doing there? You know what I mean? Like, why are they getting rid? I don't think it was a contract issue. Like, why are they getting rid of their clearly best player who didn't he win the MVP last year, the year before? Uh, I know he was in consideration. My my baseball MVP knowledge is is not top tier. Let me let me pull that up here. By the way, the, while you're looking that up, because I don't want uh, silence, that, that, that would be bad. Uh, go right for here. it. Um, no, I just, I like that. Uh, the Mets, though, they're in a division where the Nationals won a World Series, albeit, you know, a very different team from the one that won the World Series. But the Braves are in that division. The Phillies are in that division. For what it's worth in baseball, as much as I like I'm a casual watcher because I'm not going to watch 162 games of any team to tell you the truth I'm probably just going to watch Sunday night baseball once a week and maybe maybe Wednesday but that's a fun division right you got Bryce yeah. Harper in the Phillies you now got Francisco Lindor in the Mets you got uh, Juan Soto in Washington I, lo- I love all the teams in that division and hey let's not forget even though it was a modified playoff format and that's the only reason they made it Miami Miami is in that division as well. So I feel like the NL East is going to be very competitive. Yeah, well, and, and I don't think he's won an MVP, but he is a four-time All-Star. Um, clearly one of the best in the field with his gold glove and platinum glove. But, you know, I think their biggest obstacle in, in that division really is going to be Atlanta because Atlanta has built something special. Now they're still going to need to add a few pitches in the in the uh, pieces, I should say, in the pitching realm. But I don't know. The, the Mets really have the pitching, and if they can find the hitting to do it, get hot at the right time, maybe you can be excited about the other blue and orange team uh, come come September and October in New York. Uh, next basketball. Yeah, no. Um, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, I mean, the Mets need pitching, too. They struggled at times last year with pitching, and they were one of the worst in the league. Um and it's crazy that, you know, some of the times like you look at teams who made championship runs or went into a World Series or things like that or Stanley Cup. The Rangers, one of the worst teams in the league last year in the NHL, but it's just like five, six years ago that they were in the Stanley Cup final. It's not that far off that the Mets were trotting Matt Harvey out during a World Series game against the Kansas City Royals from a couple years back. You know what I mean? It's crazy how like things change with teams when they fall that far, but my final hot take for you, the, uh, the resistance, if you will, the hot, hot take. Carson Wentz is going to be a Super Bowl QB winning QB next year. All right, I'll, I'll come back when I'll come back when you're saying here, I'm just going to just walk okay. out. Of, I'm going to walk off the set here. Okay. All right. See you. Let me, let me know when you're done. <laughs> they, that is as hot as you can get. Um, look, Everyone keeps talking about Indianapolis, but you know where I think he's going to end up is San Francisco. And here's why the Eagles have a contract in Carson Wentz that they're going to try to unload on someone. Agreed. It's, it's pretty obvious. I, I, I don't think you can retain him at this point. San Francisco has essentially, it doesn't look like they trust Jimmy G and it didn't look like that in the Super Bowl at times last year either. 
And maybe that's just my opinion. Maybe you think differently, but I think what's going to happen is just essentially a flip-flop and maybe one player joins that or whatever, because Jimmy G's contracts a lot less cost prohibitive than what Carson's is. And you could rework Jimmy G's contract and he could still end up being a starter or a backup to Jalen or a starter for the team versus where Carson, if he goes to San Francisco, he's essentially just trading places, but he's in an offensive system with Kyle Shanahan, who seems to look like what benefits Carson, you know, play action, hand the ball off, not take too many risks, those kind of things. That's a very hot take. I don't even know if I believe that's the one that I don't even know if I believe, but I don't, don't put it past me. I mean, you know, he, he, before the injury in that LA Rams game in 2017, he, he was going to be the league MVP for whatever that's worth. I know I've talked about it before. I don't trust the MVP awards, all those kind of things. He was going to win the MVP and he got injured. So I, it's uh, I can't wait. It is the drama waiting to unfold. And when the Lombardi is hosted in Tampa and lifted up by whoever that team is, I, I instantly want to fast forward time to see where Carson Wentz is. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting off season in the NFL and um, believe it or not, we're, we're really just playing off of each other here with our hot takes because my, my hottest take is actually about an NFL quarterback as well. Reports today suggest that Deshaun Watson is not happy in Houston. He is not happy about the processes of being uh, almost alienated in some senses of, you know, the hiring process of the GM, not happy about that. And of course, we all saw the clip of J.J. Watt apologizing to Deshaun Watson, which we need to get those two players out of a dire situation. So my hot take, I'm not even sure I believe this one either, but going to try to speak it into existence here and see what can happen. The Pittsburgh Steelers trade for Deshaun Watson in the offseason. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. That's that is a lot hotter than my take. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if I see that happening at all. I mean, I feel like Deshaun, if anything, he's going to have the James Harden type of, you know, try to force his way out. And James is mm -hmm. still in Houston. So I, I don't know what it is about Houston down there that's just holding some holding some players almost hostage, it feels. But the reason I say this, and, and there's a lot of potential there around the league. I think there's a lot of good fits. Uh, we could certainly see him going to somewhere like New England, who, who also has the, the room to do it. But if you look at Deshaun Watson's contract, it's favorable for somebody with his talent. And, and people want to look at his win-loss record and say, well, he's not, he doesn't, have that he's not winning all these games he's not in playoff games I don't believe that we've seen what Bill O'Brien did to that team we've seen the chaos that ensued there basically just trading to DeAndre Hopkins for nothing for for peanuts it felt like and, and that's an absurd that's an absurd thing to do but maybe it's been ruined beyond all recognition at this point and he needs out and and I think that could be a certain possibility the reason I say a team like the Steelers is looking at it from a 2021 perspective the cap, the cap space is going to drop. We know that. We don't know how considerably it's going to drop for the next year. But looking at what the numbers could be and moving forward with that, I think Deshaun Watson's contract 
plays into something like Pittsburgh. Now, certainly this, this is not to alienate somebody like Ben Roethlisberger, but if he does hang it up after this season, uh, I know he said he wants to play and there very well could be a trade done before the Steelers are out of the playoffs too, which is possible, but I digress. But this would also potentially help the Steelers re-sign other players, and this is a deal that they want to make. Now, I understand as far as scale of trades, it's not quite as big, but the Steelers are not afraid to make a splash in the trade market now, which kind of sounds weird considering the team that they are building through the draft. But last year, even after Ben Roethlisberger was injured, they go out and get Minka Fitzpatrick, and they trade a first-round pick for him. Steeler fans and, and many fans alike thought it was a wasted thing. But Minka Fitzpatrick's turned into an all-pro in the secondary and really turned him around. So I don't think it's far-fetched to say that a team like the Steelers may not be calling Houston about this trade. I think Deshaun Watson, after you put it like that, could be traded, but not to Pittsburgh. What about Chicago? Ooh, yeah. Oh, that would be – that. Chicago would almost be even – the, the irony of the Chicago trade would be the, the, ultimate, the ultimate irony, right? So you get right. rid of Mitchell Trubisky to turn around and say, yeah. Uh, so how does that work whenever he walks in the building? You're just like, you should have done this before. <laughs> you should have done this before. Shouldn't have had to give up everything we did to it. You know what's even crazier? If you remember that draft, you remember the Bears were sitting at three. Right. And they trade up one spot to take Mitchell Trubisky. Right. And they give up the farm essentially the farm. to the 49ers who weren't even going to draft him. And I'm pretty sure the 49ers drafted uh, Solomon Thomas. And they were going to team. take him anyway. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, ooh, if he ended up in Chicago, that'd be awesome. The, the admission of guilt going to Chicago would be, uh, would be quite the spectacle there to say, well, there would be fans that say, well, Believe it or not, we actually already have our Deshaun Watson jerseys made. Now we have to pull them out of the cellar from three yeah. years ago, but we're, we're, we've been ready for you. By the way, that's something I never understand. Uh, the people that get jerseys made of players before they get there, whether it's like players they want in like trades or drafts or whatever, what are you doing? Wait until it actually happens. You know who doesn't do that? Teams that win games and don't have as good of draft picks. Yeah. The only teams that do that are the teams that pick high because they think they know who they're going to draft. Never seen a Steelers jersey before that because you know what? We're pick, typically picking 30th or, you know, 20th to 30th. We don't know who's going to be available by then. So, yeah. So, no offense to all of you sorry teams out there, but just stop doing that. <laughs> just stop doing that. Um, so, that was the hot take six. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, you know, we're, we're – uh, we, we, you know, it's going to be a segment for, for now anyway, unless something changes, but um, Ryan, tell everyone who we have. Yeah, this is a fun interview. So, you know, we've been dipping our toes into the entertainment realm a little bit more recently. And we have Jay Chandra Sekar. Now Jay is famous for his roles in writing and movies such as super troopers and beer fest, but we have an amazing conversation and it's funny you say Chicago because Jay is a big Bears fan. He's very excited for the Bears game this upcoming weekend um, and even has a prediction on the game. But it's a great interview talking about his history and sketch comedy and is, as well as TV and film. Definitely a must listen. And we hope you all enjoy it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And now our interview with Jay Chandra Sekar. 
All right. We now welcome on the legendary comedian, director, screenwriter, actor, uh, played roles and helped in uh, movies such as Super Troopers, uh, Beer Fest, also in the sketch comedy group Broken Lizard, Mr. Jay Chandra Sekar. How are you, Jay? Hello. How are you? We're wonderful, Jay. We're excited to have you on here and uh, join the show for us this evening. So we're excited to talk a little bit of a um, little bit of comedy and a little bit of TV with you, but you know, we are a sports show. So, and I, I know you're a big Bears fan, so I, I got to know how your, how your outlook is for this Sunday. Well, first of all, I always bet on the Bears. Um, even when, uh, like, basically, you want to make money against me, you go, I'll bet you, I'll bet you blank team kicks the Bears ass this weekend. I'll be like, fine, no points. Let's go. Fuck you. Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Because um, I grew up in Chicago, in the suburbs of Chicago, but I'm like a hardcore Bears fan. And I'm pretty convinced they're going to win every game. And this one is no uh, uh, exception. The Chicago Bears are going to win this game. And the score is going to be 34-31 Chicago. Okay. Okay. Now, I will back this up this way. We played the New Orleans Saints once this year. At the end of four quarters, we were tied 20-20. They got the ball. I don't know what happened. I mean, they may have gotten the ball first and kicked a field goal, and then we didn't, weren't able to do it. Um, our offense was uh, meek uh, leading up until the last, let's say, the, 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 you know, the, the, around the 13th game of the season this year, our offense became unchained. We got a new uh, Bill Lazor started calling plays for the Bears as opposed to Nagy, the coach. And it took him a game and he didn't do that well. And then suddenly, boom, it unleashed. We averaged 34 points a game until we played the fucking Green Bay Packers. And then, and then they smoked us. I mean, man, do I hate the Packers. I, I suggested after last, the last loss to the Packers that Chicago Bears, that everybody in Chicago should put in like five bucks. We buy the Packers shut the team down and be done with it <laughs> a constant thorn in the bear side i mean you know i lived through Be brett Favre, and i'm like this fucking brett Favre, he just wouldn't <laughs> stop beating us and then i'm like oh thank god we have this aaron Rodgers. who's that guy what kind of name is that and uh and then quickly we started losing to him too so i don't even know who's sitting on that bench waiting to kick our asses it, i mean i can't <laughs> It's got to change. You you do need to start the petition to buy the team so you can just pick a quarterback. Just put That's in, right. just put in, I mean, you can take in, I mean, I could name a couple Bears quarterbacks, but I don't want to, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of probably some of the, the miserable years you had to sit through as a Bears fan. You know, like even, even Jay Cutler was, was in my opinion, he had the best arm in the league, but you know, they say it's like a game of, of six inches, right? And he, he was so confident in his arm that he thought he could make any throw, including throwing into triple coverage repeatedly. And you're like, I don't know, man. I mean, throw the fucking ball away, right? If you throw it away, then you're going to be able to use that great arm when, you know, like, and I think Trubisky is, uh, Maybe it took him a while, but I'll tell you, for the last three out of the last four games, he's played really well. And um, 
I think they're in, in a tough situation now in Chicago because he was out, he was heading out of town. And then suddenly he's three and one in the last if he beats New Orleans. I don't I don't even know. I don't I don't know if they're gonna get I don't see them getting rid of him. I mean, uh, they may he play he's played well, except for against Green Bay. But the bottom line is like, how are you gonna beat Favre? I mean. I was, I've started playing, I mean, I've, I've, I've played 52 out of the last 60 days golf. I'm like, I have two golfers elbows. Um, and I, I, one day I walked out there and the guy who they paired me with was Ryan Leaf, um, who, you know, obviously went, was the number two pick in the draft right behind uh, Peyton Manning. And I was like, okay. And he's fucking phenomenal uh, golfer, Ryan Leaf, like just incredible, like, wow. But he's um, also like a former, you know, he really went through some serious addiction issues and now he's like, he's clean. So whatever you may have thought of Ryan Leaf, he's like the nicest guy. He's just a nice, I mean, he did hard jail time, by the way, but I mean, he's, he's a real nice guy. And I was talking to him about Trubisky and he goes, he goes, he's pretty good. You know, he goes, and if he goes, the problem is pretty good versus Aaron Rodgers. It's, you know, it's like, well, is it ever going to get it done? You know, but pretty good and maybe he'll get better and then suddenly you know like pretty good a quarterback in the nfl i mean you know if you look at his record it's it's trubisky's record is pretty good it's they've been so conservative that anyway i can go for hours and talk about the bears but i, I you know they he they're having trouble throwing the deep ball they're gonna have to throw the deep ball against new orleans or else we're gonna lose just throw it down the seams beat the safeties and trubisky's getting another contract i know you're looking forward to it i think that's right yeah, I can't believe they haven't fired Matt Nagy, but I'm, well, I mean, they, they slid in the back door in the playoffs and I mean, look, they're playing on Nickelodeon and CBS on Sunday. SpongeBob's, uh, I think a sideline reporter or uh, part of the field goal net. Yeah. What? Wild, wild move. Your yeah, eyes just yeah. told the whole story of your Yeah, they're on Nickelodeon. <laughs> um, an actor from all that, if you remember that show from the 90s is... I don't. Um, he is uh, some actor from that is doing it, and uh, some uh, Nate Burleson from NFL Network. It's very weird. And SpongeBob is the sideline reporter, so um, and they're having like a slime, tra- it, it's all weird. Like, is this really true, tracker. yeah. What's that? This is true. This, this is very true, yeah, what? yeah, crazy. Um, okay. so look. <laughs> You, you were in uh, two of my favorite comedies of all time. It's just, uh, it's simple as that. Uh, Beer Fest, I watched uh, in college and high school every Oktoberfest, uh, right. just, um, you know, as a little tradition. And uh, Das Boot, um, are we ever going to get a Beer Fest 2? Because look, we got, a, we got a Super Troopers 2, and a lot of my friends, uh, we watch Beer Fest uh, all the time, and you know, even uh, we, we uh, went out one night and uh, the, the bar we went to had a boot and we wouldn't uh, take it unless they said Das Boot. Uh, <laughs> we ever going to get a beer fest number two? You know, there's been a lot of chatter about it. I've talked to the studio about it a lot and they keep saying, yeah, 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 maybe. They control the, the rights to it and, and it's Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers likes to make massive movies with super, like everybody in a Warner Brothers movie basically has to have a cape on, right? Cape and tights. And if you don't have cape and tights, they're like, eh, eh. so we'll see. I mean, I, I've been trying to get them to let me make the movie without them or with them, whatever they want to do. It's it's up in the air. It's, it's there's there's a lot of, uh, I mean, shit, Super Troopers 2 opened to no, number one in the, in the country, right? So 
pretty good, right? So I think we could do the same with with uh, with what will probably be Weed Fest. Um, every weed smoker in the in in show business has contacted me and said, "I want to be in that movie." Willie Nelson, Snoop Dogg, Cheech and Chong, Fifty Cent, uh, Method Man, like everybody, everybody, Seth Rogen, everybody. So it'll be fun. Uh, I just need to get my, uh, you know, I'm writing Super Troopers three. We are, we gotta, we gotta get that one going. I don't know, maybe. What what, what, I, say. what I just imagined as you described that was Snoop Dogg in a cape and tights. Hey, if we have to do that, yeah. if we have to do that, so be it. I'm sure he'll he, he'd be willing. That's that's an image that I I really honestly didn't know I needed. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And, and if you ever get Beer Fest two made, look, I will pay you whatever amount of money you uh, want me to pay you to be an extra. Dust boot. <laughs> I will even be the boot prop for you. <laughs> so um, obviously we, we talk about some of your movies and, and some of the big ones that you've done, but you've also been handing a lot of TV and, and writer, director, actor with that too. So what, what would you say are some of your some of your favorite TV moments, either a set that you've been on, an episode that you've done? What are some of your most proud TV moments that you have? I got to uh, direct a number of the first few Arrested Development, which is like the first, you know, of the first, I don't know, 20, I did four of them or something like that. So that was fun. I mean, you know, it was, it was like a incredible, well-acted, well-written, you know, just the whole, everything was great on that show, except nobody was watching it. Uh, eventually they started watching it once we stopped making them. That's showbiz sometimes. Uh, um, you know, Community was a fun show that I worked on. I, I did a whole bunch of those. Um, uh, and that was like another situation with great writing, great acting. Um, and, you know, just really solid. New Girl was great writing, great performances there. I'm, I, work, I do work on the show called The Goldbergs, which is like really super like mainstream, like family comedy. But it's it's pretty sharp. You know, it's really sharp funny stuff. Uh, there's a new show that I work on at uh, Hulu called Good Trouble, which is totally out of my, it's like more of a, a little bit more of a drama. Uh, but you know, a lot, everyone's having sex with everybody else. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, I've been able, I've directed now something like 125 episodes of television. So I've, you know, I've, I've treated like, uh, you know, I've shot, 30 love scenes and 25 dinner scenes and fight scenes and restaurant scenes. And so I just try different lenses and I try different camera moves and I try also, and then when we make movies, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a fight scene in a restaurant. We'll use these lenses. We'll do that. We'll, you know, we'll, and I already know kind of what it's all going to look like. You need a baseball card with all your stats on it. Jay's, <laughs> Jay's fight scenes and love That's scenes. That's right. That's right. That's a good idea. I used to collect baseball cards. Arrested Development and Community, those are two shows that have sharp, witty writing, great uh, intros, especially on the scripts, uh, especially like uh, where people can work off uh, each other in the mockumentary uh, style that Arrested Development has. Um, so it's pretty cool that you got to do four of that. And it is a shame. And, you know, Ron Howard even did the voiceover for that. So sure um, I never met him. The Broken Lizard is one of your group uh, is one of probably the best known in comedy, uh, to be honest with you. And you guys have all been together for a long, long time. Who in like 
a typical day, whether it's text messages on the set of Super Troopers, Beer Fest, whatever you, you, you want to go on, who's busting whose balls the most? Um, and uh, who, who's giving, uh, you know, the most uh, punishment? I mean, I, I usually, I, I, I kind of bust Lemmy's, Steve Lemmy's balls the most. Um, I try to like, I try to fuck with him on like a, you know, I, I, obviously I fuck with him because he's, he's about eight inches shorter than me, but, um, and that'll be forever. But, but, but I, I sent him, uh, uh, I had his, his management company, I, I got a, an envelope from them and I sent a, like a, a photograph, a headshot of Patrick Swayze. And I wrote, dear Steve, I'm a huge fan. Let's work together soon. And he then had it framed and he put it in his living room. And he's like, can you fucking believe this? Patrick Swayze is a big fan of mine. So we did that. Uh, I sent him uh, some uh, clam digger shorts before we went down to Club Dread. And I wrote, Steve, can't wait to hang with you in Mexico. Let's wear these shorts together. And I scribbled a name so you couldn't see it. So then I'm like down in Mexico and I tell everybody else, I'm like, I sent Steve these shorts. And he comes walking out and he's wearing these shorts and they come down to the mid shin. So they're kind of like capri pants, really. They're, they're really like ladies pants, but he's wearing them and he's like looking around, he's waiting for someone to say something to him and nobody's saying anything to him. And after weeks of wearing these ridiculous pants, I have so many photographs of him in these ridiculous pants. I'm like, how do you like those pants? And he goes, you motherfucker, I've been waiting. I knew it was you. And I'm like, yeah, you've been wearing them for weeks. So. You know, not but, not catching on after all the best pranks. No, no, he never catches on. You know, you just got to appeal to someone's ego, and he's got a nice big ego. So, uh, if you make them think that they're loved in some way, they'll buy anything. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I have to follow up on one thing you said though, because you said you were a baseball card collector. Did you have a favorite card whenever you were collecting? Because uh, I'm a collector myself, so I just got to know. I had a Willie Mays. Somehow I ended up with a Willie Mays rookie card. I had, uh, I mean, I had 10,000 baseball cards. Uh, they're still in my house somewhere. I mean, I had some, I'd say that was probably the one. I mean, I certainly have like Barry Bonds rookie card, certainly because, you know, he was a rookie and I got the whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mostly wanted to collect the Cubs, frankly, but I, I've got all sorts of, all sorts of, you know, Joe Fair Moore. enough. We, we all have our teams. I, I understand that. But a Willie Mays one's a pretty good one to have. I, I think you have a little bit of gold there. Yeah. Um, so last question on my end. So it's, it's a little bit off topic, but I, I, think, I think this is one thing that you would certainly be great at. So with your sketch comedy, I feel like you would be a fantastic roaster. You need to go on a celebrity roast. So if you could go on one celebrity's roast, who would you be picking? That's interesting. You know, I, I, I watched the roast and I know, you know, I got to get, I got to be friends with Rob Lowe because um, he was in Super Troopers too. And he got roasted right after our movie. And he said it was fucking brutal, like just <laughs> cruel and brutal. I mean, I, I've been around comics when they've been writing for those roasts. So, I, you know, I like, I like to make fun of people, but the kind of like, you know, like I don't really like to make fun of their most vulnerable moment, which is really what those roasts are. They go after like, 
the crimes you've committed and the, you know, I, you know, they, they really go after you or your weight or your whatever. Like I, I'd like to hit people a little more sideways uh, rather than dead on like, um, like Jeff Ross and those guys, you know, where they really come after you. I was in a, I was, I hosted a roast battle at the comedy store. I think it was a comedy store and it was like, uh, uh, you know, like that Eminem movie, Eight Mile. It's like a rap battle. Yeah, but it was two comics out there just fucking going after each other, and they don't really know each other that well, so they're going after weight and sexual orientation and whatever it was. And I was like, and it was really funny and really cruel. And afterwards, they're like, "What do you think, Judge?" And I was like, "Well," and I gave my opinion. And then they, they're like. Like one of the guys starts going after me because that's sort of, I guess, what you're supposed to do. And he goes, You haven't made a good movie since Super Troopers. And the crowd goes, Ah! And you're like, Wow, you hurt my feelings. So <laughs> not I true, can... by the way, but fuck. I was like, You've never even been in a movie, you little shit. <laughs> I've been in eight movies, motherfucker. See, but it's, it's different if you get not... a whole, it's different if you get a whole media guide on somebody. You have the, yeah. you have the notes to do it. No, no, no. They they took me out pretty good, and I loved it. I, I enjoy I enjoy being made fun of, um, but it was incredible to watch the crowd really rev up for it. I mean, they were just like, and John Mayer was the guy. He was the other judge with me, and he was. They were ripping him, and I was like, Jesus Christ! Ouch. Good joke, though. Um, so I actually got two uh, different last questions, um, com completely uh, uh, different. Um, so the first is who would win in a bar fight and who's just going to beat the hell out of one another between Barry or Thorny, your characters from beer fest and super troopers and who, who's going to win in that battle. And the second is, uh, what, what's an upcoming project that maybe you can't talk about that, you know, we should look for on the, uh, on the horizon. You know, look, I, I think, uh, you have to imagine, like when I'm, when I made uh, beer fest, I was, uh, we were playing beer pong every night and leading up to it we were playing beer pong every night so I was about 20 pounds heavier than I was when I made super troopers one or two so I was probably running about 205 pounds and at super troopers I was about 180 so you got to think that that 25 pounds would help with Barry because in Barry would also probably fight dirty and and have a knife but then you know Thorny has a gun and is a trained fucking cop <laughs> probably i you got to imagine it's probably thorny probably thorny would probably kick barry's ass i mean at the end of the day wiry stronger probably i think i think technique and method yeah uh in terms of uh you know i, I uh i've written a novel called the wild and the tamed uh, i'm just finishing that up i'm gonna ideally sell that and then turn it into a television show uh, and then there's a movie I'm going to make called uh, American Indian, which is like, it's like a racial meet the parents, uh, where I impregnate like a white Southern girl. And then it's about the wedding and the, the whole thing. So, uh, those two things in terms of, you know, broken lizard, we're going to make a movie set in like 13th century France called Q about a hunchback in a torture chamber, kind of a Python-esque kind of thing. I mean, that's probably the next movie we make. So. That's about it. We're writing Super Troopers three too. That that one's that one's pretty uh, in pretty good shape. 
Nice. And, and we have weed fest kind of sitting out there in the ether okay. too that, that might happen. Let's so hope so. We have a lot to look forward to, Jay, and we're excited for it. But again, Jay, we, we really do appreciate you joining us here on the show today, talking about some of your projects and, and your Bears fandom, certainly. But, uh, you know, as, as you go about all of your acting and directing and writing, we hope that you and all of your loved ones continue to stay safe, get out of this pandemic safe, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. Okay, bye now. Das Boot. Das Boot. Hopefully we, uh, hopefully we see some of those movies that he was talking about. But I was also intrigued by him saying he collects, he collected cards because that's that's up yep. my realm. That's that's always fun to know that um, other people do that because <laughs> sometimes I feel like the only one. So thank you, Jay. And hopefully we get Super Troopers three. Super Troopers three or uh, Weed Fest, which which also sounds to be yeah. in the uh, in the works with with a lot yeah. of legendary names on it too, right. right? Like like Snoop Dogg and Tommy Chong and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it, it, it's cool too that he works on like um, you know shows that are very 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 good. Uh, Community, Arrested Development. You know, he did it. You know, a couple episodes each of those, and obviously he he directs and does many more things, but stuff like that. I mean, you know, he, he was a great one and probably the weirdest playoff preview for a game that you're going to find anywhere. Uh, him talking about the bears with us, but, um, and Ryan leaf, Ryan leaf came up in the interview. So, uh, all, all, all good, all good. And, uh, hopefully we have him back on down the road, but Ryan, welcome. Welcome to super wild card. Uh, if this was street fighter, we would be entering into the dome right now because <laughs> it, it is, packed packed weekend so let's do saturday first let's do saturday first obviously and right at the top one o'clock 105 105 bills colts 67 percent of america thinks the bills are going to win josh allen 37 touchdowns 4544 yards on the season stefan Diggs, though not too bad 1535 Yards on the season, eight touchdowns. <laughs> the Colts found themselves in the playoffs, and I don't, I don't know. I, I don't trust them, and I think Buffalo is just flat out the better team. I think Buffalo is going to win this game by like ten or twelve. I think Buffalo has what it takes to not only beat them, but you know, I've talked about it before. I think they're going to make the Super Bowl, and I feel like as if. Josh Allen has something to prove because if you remember last year, that weird wild card game with Houston where he laddled it back for some reason late in that fourth, fourth quarter or overtime. And like everyone was losing their minds. Like Booger said at one point and don't get me started on Booger, but Booger at one point said it was first down when it was fourth. You know what I mean? Like everyone was just losing their mind in that game, but I feel like Josh Allen, he's had a couple bad playoff performances and he has something to prove. I mean, he even played Jacksonville in the playoffs before, you know what I mean? And, and, and he lost to Jacksonville in that weird seven, six game. So um, yeah, I, I, I love uh, the bills uh, in this game. I don't think the Colts have enough. I think actually this is going to be Phillip Rivers last NFL game as a quarterback. Um, I, I think he feels like this is his last ride and I feel like he's going to retire no matter, even if they win the game, I feel like this is his last season. Well, and good on Phillip Rivers for getting him to the playoffs. I, I feel like it was a successful last season. And, and I certainly think that 
I guess it depends who you ask, but I think he's underrated in terms of the 2004 class because everybody is a ring counter these days. So Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger both have two rings. I know Philip Rivers is the 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 castaway of this because he doesn't have a ring. He had a great career. He put it all together, and and I think that it I think that at least his season nonetheless will end on Sunday. Uh, the other thing that I can see people saying though, and and why some people might give the Colts the edge in a weird way. Um, Last Sunday, now I realize week 17 to some people doesn't really mean a whole lot, but the, the joke was is that Stefan Diggs was over on the sideline flossing and that on social media today or yesterday, we see the video of the Bills dancing that you can't touch this by MC Hammer on, on social media. So inevitably, somebody's going to come out and say, oh, this team's too overconfident and they're, they're overhyped. They're not going to do it. The Colts are in there preparing and, and Phillip Rivers is, is ready to go. I, I honestly don't believe that. Uh, I think that the Colts will give them a better game than maybe people think, though, but I still think it's probably going to be a 31-21 type game. Uh, I, I think the Bills are still the better team. And I hope that Bills Mafia has the time of their life on, on Saturday in, in that game, the ones that are able to get into the stadium. Yeah, uh, that's going to be something in itself, right? They're going to have a home playoff game because they've been in the playoffs twice. And... Um... They've been road games, you know what I mean? And it's going to be exciting to see crazy Buffalo Bills fans, even at a social distance. How many Buffalo Bills fans are not going to be wearing masks and the camera is just going to have to pan over them? I'm, I'm more concerned about how many Buffalo Bills fans are not going to be wearing shirts. Mm, yeah, that happens a lot in Buffalo for some odd reason. Maybe it's because they're out tailgating at like 7 a.m. Bills Mafia. And, and, you know, there's no tailgating, but it's still going to happen. Oh, they'll find a way. I've, we've said that for weeks. They're going to find a way to do it somehow, whatever it may be. Um, I, do you even think the Colts make it close? Like, do you feel like it's it's the type of game that I do, like where it's going to be like a 12, two touchdown point loss? Yeah, I think the Colts have some firepower to stay in it. And in my normal assessment of games, they have the ability to control the line of scrimmage because they have a good offensive line and a good running game. Uh, with Hines and then of course with Jonathan Taylor his monster week last week now what I don't think is going to happen is I, I think they're going to get behind and they're going to have to play from behind so maybe maybe in the first half it's a little bit closer and then they kind of make that third quarter come back but it, but you know the Bills ultimately end up pulling away uh, I, I do think it'll be like a 10 point game but but I, I think it's going to be one of those games that you're probably like eh, the score was a little bit closer than the game felt but I think the Colts can at least stay in the first half but Inevitably with that, too, if you can stay competitive, who knows what happens. But I do think the Bills are the better team and, and will win the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then when you're finishing lunch or a late lunch going to that game, don't take a nap, okay? Stay up because at the 4 o'clock slot on Saturday, Seattle, L.A. How can you pass up a division game that's going to be played for the third time and both of these games have been very exciting. Now, I don't know at this time of the recording, is Jared Goff scheduled to, uh, scheduled to play? It, it still kind of sounds iffy at this point. Nothing definitive, but it, they almost make it sound like it's going to be John Walford. If that's the case, I'm going to take Seattle. Because, look, Russ is playing for something, and I feel like he's still chasing what – 
he lost in the Super Bowl in Arizona in the desert all those years ago because they had a chance to do something only, let's be honest, a few very special teams have ever done, and that's repeat as champions, as Super Bowl champions. And that took us, you know, the wind out of their sails for a while. And I feel like this is the season where they can get to a place where they can do that. Russell's playing out of his mind, 40 touchdowns on the season, 4,212 yards. I almost, and we've talked about it before, it's, it's almost like a joke at this point, but someone's just going to put an MVP vote on him here in a couple of weeks just to say that, you know, he's had an MVP vote now. And I just think, I mean, if golf was in this game or decides to play at last minute, I think it's different. But I feel like Seattle wins this game like, like 24-20. I, I think even if he plays, I think this is Seattle's game to lose because that – this isn't an injury that this isn't a knee injury. This isn't an ankle injury that, you know, people are going to be saying, Oh, well, you know, he's not driving off the back foot the same way, but he still looks like he's doing it. This is a thumb injury on the hand that he grips the ball with. So you can almost probably stack the box, no matter who the quarterback's going to be and make them beat you over the top. Now, certainly Jared Goff has a better opportunity to do that than what I believe John Walford would, but I still think Seattle is the, is the favorite in this game, no matter what. And, and that's because they have their, their core of guys, right? They're healthier. And sometimes that's what happens in playoffs. You remember a couple of years ago when the Raiders went into uh, the wildcard weekend and were playing with some, was it Matt McGloin that started that game, Matt I believe? Yeah. And, I mean, he was on the roster. Of course, I'm joking when I'm like, they pulled somebody off the street. But it's kind of, that's kind of how it felt in that game because they didn't have anybody that was completely viable. I was on the Texans starting. Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, probably one of the weirdest playoff games I've ever watched. But you know who else plays weird playoff games? Seattle so that that's always going to be a that's always going to be a thing that follows the Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson Seahawks is just playing weird playoff games no matter if they win or lose but I think this one should be a relatively straightforward game I think that I think that Russ like you said still has something to prove that Seattle defense can can play the run there especially if they don't have to compete with Jared Goff if they're playing against John Wolford the secondary doesn't have to step up in the same way because they're going to be facing an inferior quarterback there. But uh, I, I said it before on this show, but I think the key to Seattle moving forward is as much as Russell Wilson, DK and Tyler Lockin and others, uh, I think you got to hand the rock to Chris Carson a little bit. I think he's still going to be a, a key player moving forward for them and will help them kind of move the chains and, and get those plays. So just be on the lookout for Chris Carson. Chris Carson. What a name. Definitely. Um, Definitely sounds like uh, a guy that you go to to get a bank loan, Chris Carson. Yeah, Chris Carson works down at the local First Peoples. For, for our international <laughs> listeners, you have no idea what First Peoples is because that's in no like that is, yeah. two counties back where we're from. But it's, yeah, that definitely, uh, that, that's definitely about right. Um, Tampa Bay, Washington. Look, I actually picked Washington to win it, if you remember, in the hot take six just earlier on the first half. And here's why to dive deeper into this. Um, Washington, their defensive line, I, I've said it for weeks now, it's nasty, man. It is nasty. And if you look at some of their pro football focus grades, it's in, it's insane where they rank. It's not like in the 30s and the 40s, like in the pro football focus ranks. It's like 
in the twenties, in the teens. Like I believe Chase Young's around like five or six and the kid is a rookie, you know what I mean? And he's an animal out there on the field. I just, and look, history tells us in the NFL, when you're a division winner and you have an eight and eight record or a losing record, a lot of people don't think you're you know, going to win the game. And typically you're not the favorite, but most of the time you win that game, Seattle seven to nine, one division winner, uh, Denver Broncos, eight and eight. I'm sure you know it all too well. Tim Tebow. I hate that game. Uh, <laughs> I, I well, tell me why I'm here in a minute, because I'm, I'm pretty sure I know why, but Tim Tebow, Hits a slant in overtime to Demarius Thomas, wins the game. What were they? Eight and eight division winner. Carolina, seven, eight, and one a couple years ago in 2015. Who'd they play? Arizona. And yeah, Arizona had John Skeleton because of an injury to Carson Palmer, or else they could have ended up in the Super Bowl that year, I'm pretty sure. But look, what did they do? They win. It's just, it's history. And even in 2002, when the Rams played in the playoffs at eight and eight, and they were division winner, what happened? They win. So it just history tells us that, you know, Vegas in the desert picks obviously the team that they're playing as the favorite, but history doesn't tell us that history tells us is like when you're a loser, even as a division winner, you're going to win the game because no one thinks you can. And everyone thinks you got lucky by sliding into the playoffs because of a bad schedule or the way things worked out for you. I think that's what's going to happen here. Everyone's going to look at Tampa Bay's performance last week, but let's not forget they played down to the Giants, right? They played down to some of their opponents earlier in the year. That Atlanta game when they played in the Georgia Dome, they were down 17-0. I feel like if they go down 17-0 against Washington, that defense is so stout. I feel like Washington's going to win this game. Give me 17-10 Washington. Well, and Chase Young has not shied away from the fact that he wants to play Tom Brady and you know, I, that's, I certainly don't take that as like a hit. I, I don't think anybody is, you know, he doesn't be out on, on Tom Brady, but you have to imagine for somebody coming in the league who who's probably grown up watching Tom Brady, who's younger than us is, is very excited to play against the legend that is Tom Brady, but you're, you're absolutely right. So, but I think the, I think the one factor here that, that stands out amongst all those other games. And, and, you know, I know that I think back to the Seattle um, New Orleans game that you mentioned, but uh, the one factor that stands out here is, is Tom Brady. And, and as much as we can harp on that, as much as I can harp on that, Tom Brady is just a, is just a different person when it comes to January. Now, last year was an exception. Last year felt like an exception to the rule because it just was strange. It was strange to watch him lose in New England and, and watch Derrick Henry run amok all over that team. It was it was very weird. But the the issue with this here is, is that you're right. It is a good it's it's going to be a defensive matchup. And I think that's where the game is ultimately going to be won, because if Washington cannot score points, I think that Tampa Bay can score enough to beat that defense. And. I, I think if, if you have Taylor Heineke out there at quarterback or even Alex Smith out there at quarterback, not full strength, I think you're really limiting your offensive potential. And I think that's where Washington's going to struggle the most. So if Tampa Bay can keep Washington off the board, I think Tampa Bay wins this game. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like you though. I think it'll be relatively low scoring. I may give it like a 20 to 14 clip in Tampa Bay's favor uh, because I think Washington's defense will step up, but I don't know if they'll be able to completely shut them out and take this one away from them. By the way, why do you hate the uh, Denver uh, Pittsburgh game? Is it because the way it ended? It, it's one of the worst losses in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Really? You you think that? Oh, 
I mean, honestly, so Super Bowl 45, I watched us lose to the Packers. Right. And as upset as I was, because obviously you don't want to lose the Super Bowl, right? Nobody wants to lose the biggest game. I I think of that Broncos loss as worse because it should have never happened. It it just, an an off-coverage play, and Tim Tebow, who was not a great passer in the NFL, just finds Demarius Thomas and just, he's just, there he goes. There he goes. No one's going to tackle him. This can't be real. Tim Tebow has just beat the Steelers in, in the playoffs on, on an 80-yard throw when he hasn't thrown for 80 yards all season. Yeah, in overtime. So and it just it's it's crazy. And you know, there's other factors that were in that game, but that's that's honestly one of the worst losses that I've witnessed as a Steeler fan. Um, I was not old enough to remember Super Bowl 30 when Neil O'Donnell was finding his favorite receiver, Larry Brown, for a couple interceptions returned for touchdowns, but that's that's one of the worst losses that I remember, uh, especially just given the circumstance, right? So you don't like losing in the playoffs or the Super Bowl, but just elevated by the fact that it, it was a game that we should have won, and won handily. It is crazy to think about that season, right, where he had that magical six-game winning streak, and then he went three for 16 that game, literally three for 16, and ended up throwing for like 300 and some yards, and <laughs> – beat you guys um moving still on though, what's that still hurts it i <laughs> i can tell they changed the overtime because of that though if that makes you feel better it doesn't um, because overtime's still not fixed well that 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 <laughs> that's pretty true um moving on to sunday it's going to be the game of the weekend at least as far as i'm concerned i'm sure ryan maybe uh you feel different but baltimore oh, i agree is- I we got agree. the wrecking ball. We're trying to get we're trying to get that to catch on the wrecking ball. I think it is catching on. Uh, I think I might have even heard it in an old Spice commercial here recently. Um, look, he ran for two thousand yards on the season, and Ryan Tannehill thirty three touchdowns. It is incredible that these two teams are going to meet back to back years in the playoffs, and especially the way the game ended earlier this year when we talked about that being as the game of the weekend way back when, and it was, and the overtime run, and Derrick Henry ended up you know winning the game on an open field overtime run touchdown i'm very excited to act number three it's going to be incredible and i good for espn i don't know how they lucked into it but the fact that they lucked into it and got that game out of the the wild card slate good for them because it's going to be an incredible game yeah i i actually i agree with you like i said i think this is the game of the weekend i know some steeler fans are, are looking at the browns game and i think browns fans are too just being back in the playoffs but I agree with you as far as matchups. I think this is the best game that we that we'll see this weekend. And, and I mean, just looking at it from a from an overall perspective, can, could you match up two teams that are that are more similar in the way that they like to control the line of scrimmage and, and play the run game? I mean, certainly Baltimore has more weapons. The the quantity is more in a guy like Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram. What else do you need to say about Derrick Henry, though? I mean, the guy ran for 2,000 yards, and, and he, he just doesn't look like he's ever going to – just doesn't look like he's going to stop. So I think I think the big factor that is going to come down into this game, as much as these two teams like to run the ball, is going to be quarterback play. And, and I think that it's also going to be paired with the ability to stop teams on defense. Seems, seems easy. I mean, if we say enough words, everything will seem like it matters, like it's an actual game. But what I mean by that is 
we know both of these teams are going to run the ball. We can probably expect both teams to run for 180, 200 some yards, right? But at the end of the day, I think a quarterback is going to have to make a play. And I think a quarterback is going to have to step up and do it. And the reason that I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens to win this game is because I think Lamar Jackson is going to get over his playoff hump. And, and this is no disrespect to the Titans because I think this is going to be a very fun game to watch. But I think that the Ravens have learned. I think that the Ravens actually have a better defense. And I think that they would be able to stop Ryan Tannehill where I don't trust Tennessee's defense as much to stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. So I think Lamar Jackson can maybe make a play late to win this game. Um, I might even give it a 31-27 a type ending, a, another crazy ending. The Titans are famous for giving up a lot of points, and the Ravens are a team that can score a lot of points. So I'm actually going to pick the Ravens in this one. If it's anything like the first two two games, it's like two heavyweight boxers going against each other. I'm very excited for Act 3. I mean, look, no one thought Tennessee was going to beat Baltimore last year when they were 14-2 and in the playoffs on that Saturday. They dominated them. And the game they had, you know, two months ago, whatever it was now, it was a shootout. They won in overtime. It's just I'm very excited. I think Tennessee is going to win, though. Uh, you know, we'll see, though, on Sunday. Um Chicago versus Saints. I don't know what to think about this game. This is the tricky one of the week, uh, weekend, excuse me. Uh, look, 80% of America thinks the Saints are going to win, but I don't trust Drew Brees. And look, Kamara is going to be back on the field because the NFL putting them on Sunday versus Saturday saved New Orleans um, for that reason. You know what I mean? Kamara wouldn't have been able to play if he was on set, if the game was on Saturday for the COVID protocol. But I don't know what to think about this game because – it's just two teams in Chicago slid in, even with losing to Green Bay. I don't know where either one of them fall, and I feel like Drew Brees is not going to play very well, to tell you the truth. And I know that the game is in New Orleans, but he hasn't looked good the last couple weekends, man. He just hasn't, and I, I don't know what to think, and I feel like it could go either way. I feel like it's a coin flip game, really. Well, and I think another thing that you do in this is that you take the elements out of it by moving it into a dome. So I – I'm not saying I would favor the Bears if they were playing in Chicago, but it, it certainly evens the playing field, right? And, and weird things happen in the Superdome. It, we talked about Seattle playing weird playoff games. How about when they play playoff games in the Superdome? Weird things happen there. Blatant pass interference calls and, and the Vikings controversy from a year or two back. So strange things happen there. So I wouldn't put it past the Bears to win this game. But the other thing to consider with Kamara coming back is – he will likely play in the game. He'll come back out of the COVID protocol with this. And, and I'm certainly not a doctor by any realm. Um, you know, if I was, I, I probably wouldn't be here. But <laughs> the thing about COVID is, is it seems like the way that it affects people is, you know, they talk about your lungs and, and you're short of breath and, and you're breathing again, not a doctor. Maybe we'll have Dr. Fauci on. But I don't think that favors Kamara. I think he's still going to struggle one Sunday because with, if you're out of that and you're not in that same routine of what you do and it's affecting your lungs that way, I think it could be tough for him. And I think of that in a, in a way because Vince Williams came back off the COVID list uh, and played for the Steelers last week and played a, or two weeks ago against the Colts, played 100% of the snaps. And they're basically saying all 
all that next week, they're like, he was on the sideline basically just using oxygen whenever he was not on the field. So I, I don't know if that's going to help New Orleans because Camara will be out. Uh, maybe we'll see a bit of a bit of a Swiss Army Taysom Hill type game with them. I think they're going to put a little bit of pressure on Breeze, and and I think that the Saints still win it, but I think this one's actually going to be closer than you think, um, because Chicago kind of has gotten hot again. It's weird how we talked about Chicago earlier in the season, and we're like, man, they they look good. They look like they could potentially be a playoff team, and then we were like, absolutely not. Dumpster fire, start over, completely burn it up everything and now they're in the playoffs so I, I think I and I don't think it's maybe in large part to Matt Nagy but I think that the Bears will give him a game um, I'm actually going to go 21-20 on this I, I maybe say a last second Ooh. field goal for the Saints it'll it'll be a close one well if you want if you remember that game that's another game that was and Jay talked about it in the interview right that game the first time they played this year in Chicago was fantastic mm-hmm. fantastic and so if it's anything like that I mean we're in for another good game but I just – I don't trust Drew Brees. I know that's crazy to say because he's a Hall of Famer, but he hasn't looked good, and I'm pretty sure you agree with me on that unless I'm wrong. No. I mean, Drew, Drew Brees has as, – as good of a player as he is, I think of all the old quarterbacks, he is clearly the one that we look at and say he's he's regressed, right? There, there are times where you see Tom Brady or Big Ben or, or Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, who he might just be getting better. Who knows? But where you say, ah, you know, you, you, you can kind of see their age in that player, whatever. You say it with Drew Brees a lot. And, and I, think, I think it definitely looks more on him. Look, I respect him to death. He's a Hall of Famer, a Super Bowl winner, a, a Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner. But I, I think you're seeing him play his last few games here too. By the way, what it's fascinating to see how each sport has handled COVID. Uh you know, especially with the way the seasons have changed, you know what I mean? Baseball during the summer, fall, you know what I mean? And now we're going into winter. Um, I have not heard anything out of the NBA as far as players testing positive for COVID, but in the NFL, it happens all the time. And then they're back on the field in like seven days or whatever. I thought quarantine was like 14. The NFL must just have different policies that neither of us understand. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, every league's different. I know that there's differences in, in how they trace and if you're a high risk close contact or just a close contact it, it's all beyond me like i said if i was a doctor i wouldn't be here so uh, i'm i'm not here to understand the protocols just just talk about when guys come back off the covid list <laughs> um so we have made it to the last game of playoff weekend cleveland pittsburgh it's on nbc and peacock streaming service let's go I'm rooting for my guys over at the NBC Universal Peacock because I love it, man. I've been watching a lot of Office. Although with the ads, I'm fine with ads, but it's weird when you're watching The Office like on Netflix and you're so used to no ads ever, ever, ever. And then you're watching The Office and you're like, uh, okay, there's three commercial breaks. You know what I mean? Those are the kind of things you have to adjust to. But um, I'm very excited. I am so excited for Cleveland. I think... I think they're going to shock people. I think I really do. I think this is a type of weekend where teams shock, you know, teams and, and, and pull off upsets. I feel like Cleveland's going to beat Pittsburgh. Look, Pittsburgh had so many people sitting out that game last weekend and it took everything in Cleveland's power to get that win into the playoffs. However, however, 
I trust Baker more than I trust Ben. It, it comes down to a quarterback thing again. Uh, I mean, Ben's thrown 33 touchdowns on the season. Baker's thrown 26. But when it comes down to it as well, Pittsburgh's Achilles heel that we talked about early in the season about them not being able to run the ball, it was so much worse than what any of us expected. And when you get into the playoffs, you have to be able to run the ball. And with Cleveland having Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I'm not going to be surprised if they come out on Sunday night and they just control a massive amount of clock and chew away and run the ball because that's what they do to begin with. But I wouldn't be surprised if they just constantly run the ball like it's like an Army Navy game from, you know, to a month ago. Right. Well, the, the, there's caveats in both games that you look at. So obviously Pittsburgh pretty much wiped the floor with Cleveland the first time they played. Nick Chubb didn't play in that game. So it was it was basically the Browns are looking at Kareem Hunt and Baker Mayfield and, and playing the Steelers at then what was full strength with with no injuries. So, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a very legitimate Pittsburgh defense at that point. And then, of course, week 17, like like you mentioned, Pittsburgh sits players out and. You know, it, it doesn't look the same whenever you don't have Big Ben in there. Of course, Mason Rudolph had a great game, but that's you know, we've talked about that, but. I, I agree. I think that Cleveland will have the opportunity to control the line of scrimmage, but I think that Pittsburgh's defense is still better. I think the biggest hits for the Browns, though, come in the form of not having an all-pro guard or Pro Bowl guard and Joel Batonio not playing uh, due to COVID protocols, and I, I think that hurts. It, it really hurts to have your offensive lineman sitting out due to something like that, and especially one that's as good as Joel is because he's a fantastic player and a mauler on the inside. Uh, and also not having your head coach. That's also going to factor into this too, because Stefanski will be unable to coach, uh, assuming the duties too. I, I don't know the other coach offhand, but I, I think this game, I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think that Pittsburgh will still win handily because they have the skills and the weapons to do it. Uh, the, the other factor into it though, is playoff inexperience because the Steelers have a lot of guys, especially on the offensive front that have never played in a playoff game. Uh, in, in Cleveland, I mean, they haven't played a playoff game in 18 years. Now, other guys come from other places and, and may have a one-off or so. But, you know, th there's a lot of playoff and experience. And you may see a little bit of that. You may see some of the nerves early in the game. But I think Pittsburgh still wins this game. I'm going to give them like a 28-13 win. I don't think it'll be a blowout like it was the first time. Uh, but, but I think Pittsburgh's still going to win this one. Cleveland will have the opportunity to control the clock early, but I think Big Ben will be able to pick them, pick them a little bit more in the second half. Wildcard weekend. It's amazing what adding two teams can do for a whole weekend, uh, isn't it? It's, it's uh, amazing that we're talking about a Bears team that had such struggles, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're a playoff team this year, and we finally get to see the Browns again in the playoffs. Right. All exciting, and uh, I believe you told me that the new playoff format's here to stay. I thought it was just a, like a one-off COVID year, just like everything else like was in baseball and hockey and NBA. Oh, even if even if it's not, I think you need to keep this because I yeah. think this is a, I th I think it's good for the sport because imagine in the AFC if two, if two ten-win teams and potentially one eleven-win team miss the playoffs, that's not good for the sport because you know Cleveland can beat Pittsburgh. Again, I don't think it will happen based on my prediction, but it, it, it seems kind of unfair to be keeping 11-win teams out of the playoffs. Well, I can't wait to watch it. I know you can't either. We'll do predictions on our TikTok as well. Um, but look, ending the show, Monday morning headlines. I got two. Buffalo 
rides into battle with a victory moves on. I just think I just think they're a Super Bowl. My second one, sweet Tennessee living. Tennessee beats Baltimore in a classic NFL playoff game. I think both of those teams, I don't think either of us would be shocked if Kansas City found themselves eliminated the way they've played at times this year where they get down quick. And at some point it has to hurt them, right? At some point it has to hurt them. Um, but both of those teams, Tennessee and Buffalo, those are my Monday morning headlines. So Monday morning, the one thing I'm looking forward to Monday is national championship day. And I, I know that the, the game will actually be the headline would be on Tuesday, but certainly looking forward to the national championship game, the battle of the crimson and the red Alabama and Ohio state, always fun to watch. Looking forward to that game. Uh, my other big one though, um, I think we're going to see some more baseball moves. I think you're going to see a couple more big free agents sign. The one that keeps coming to mind is DJ LeMahieu, uh, second baseman, formerly of the Yankees. I think that you're going to see him eventually sign a contract as soon as this weekend. I'm not exactly sure where it's going to be yet. There's chatters of different teams, but uh, baseball and the winter meetings are kind of starting to heat up. And, and depending on what happens, we could see some more big signings over the weekend, uh, maybe even some more Mets moves. But I can tell you what's not going to be a headline is, is the Pirates will probably not be making many moves, unfortunately. Um, but that's that's OK. We'll we'll wait to see how that works out. But we're also getting into hockey season, too. I know we'll talk a little bit about that more on Tuesday, but we're we're really grinding towards hockey. Hockey starts in less than a week, and and I know you are too, Ryan. But I am, I am very excited to see the skates back on the ice. I'm excited for everything about hockey, except Mike Emmerich's not going to be calling games. I know I've Fair talked enough. about it before. I I love Mike Emmerich, man. He he, uh, and I I always say he is a poet behind uh, behind the glass. Um, but Ryan, with all this, all our upcoming guests and all of our segment ideas, or whether it's new segments or, you know, that we debut, you know, a couple of weeks from now, whatever it may be, where can they follow us? Where can they listen to us? Where can they get all this great to Ryan sports show information? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you probably saw on our social medias yesterday that we were one of the featured podcasts on Launchpad. Uh, so that was pretty cool to see logging on to the site and seeing your show featured in there. So we appreciate you Launchpad for helping us out there. So you can check us out on Launchpad. Uh, you can also check us out and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple and Spotify. That's where the show is hosted through. So make sure that you're subscribed there. You're leaving a rating there if you're enjoying the show. But again, you are subscribed on Apple. You're subscribed on Pod or Spotify. I apologize. I'm not trying to tell you which one to use. Completely up to you. It's both there for them. But if you're looking for the up-to-date news and episode drops, guest announcement alerts, one-offs, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. That's where we're doing our social media. Make sure you're following us on there. We have regular show updates on all of those platforms. We throw in some memes during the biggest games on Twitter, especially because, you know, Twitter's always hot when the, when the games are on. But also instant reactions to games. And Knicks games, we have instant reactions to Knicks games on TikTok yeah. because Ryan is excited about the Knicks. So we're going to keep doing those. We're going to keep doing instant reactions and breaking news on there. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Subscribe. And rate. And rate. Um, and we'll see everyone uh, on Tuesday with another extremely special guest. Great guest. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your super wild card weekend. <laughs>